This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 456, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. iFanboy Pick and Leaf Podcast, episode 456. I am Josh Flanagan, and with me is Paul Montgomery. Hello. And that's all. That's, there's no one else here. We're, do, we're just, just doing... Just the two of us. You and I. We can make yeah. it if we try. No one wants this. No one. <laughs> no one wants this even a little bit. Say the same. Somewhere, Connor Kilpatrick is just gripping his ears in horror. 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 Connor's at a wedding. Horror crooks. Horror crooks. Jacob Horsman. He's away. He's at a wedding. Apparently, it's a nine-day affair. Apparently, it's a long wedding. It's in the desert. I don't. I don't know. He's not here. That's all. That's yeah. all I know. And and you know what? Last week, Connor and I did it. This this time, you know, I could, we're finding out that I'm the anchor. That's what I guess we're finding out here. It only takes two to tango. Or get pregnant. We are iFanboy. We like comic books. Every week we read a bunch of comic books. And one of us picks the best book that they read. We call that the big of the week. We talk about it here on the podcast. We talk about the other books from the week. Uh, some other stuff. Some things will come up. We'll talk about uh, some. There will be some questions uh, from you, the listener. Not all of you. The collective you. An example of you. Uh, before we get going, we're going to talk about what happens in those books. And, and how the art in the books is the greatest thing that my eyes have ever laid on. And uh, that might be a spoiler. So if you haven't read the books or seen the greatest thing that my eyes have ever uh, seen, uh, then A, what do you, what's wrong with you? And B, come back later after you have if that's like a thing you're worried about. But you know. You, you know. Well, it's not, it's not so much of a spoiler this week because just saying that it was a really pretty book that got the pick. Um, there are a lot of pretty books this week. This is a very stunning looking week. There's a lot of different kinds of gorgeous this week in the world of comics. And uh, the one I chose was particularly pretty, though, uh, because it was drawn by John Paul Leone. It's Detective Comics number 35. I almost missed this one. I'd seen all the preview images that were going up, and there was, oh, John Paul Leone, Batman. That's going to look really cool. Um, but then you mentioned it, but you mentioned it on Facebook, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's out. So I need to make sure to read that, and I did, and it was delightful, and... It's one of those uh, great little Batman stories. Yeah, I had not been reading Detective, mm-hmm. uh, and Neither and and it, this was a Connor thing. Connor had sent out an email. He doesn't do this that often. He's more he'd rather let me miss something and then ridicule for me, uh, ridicule me for it on the show. Mm-hmm. But this time he was like, "Hey, uh, uh, John Paul Leone is drawing Detective Comics this week. You know, know that." And I and I was like, eh, whatever. Get you know? some. And I kind of, I even, I even kind of downloaded it reluctantly. I was like, ah, it's, I don't want to. There's so many comics. I don't want to do another one. And I started off, and I thought, I thought, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. Whatever. I don't know. I hadn't thought about John Paul Leon. I know. I like him. He's fine. He's good. And as I started, I was like, ah, it's pretty good. It's fine. And about halfway through, I was like, this is amazing. It's really this, good. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's there's other things about it. But please continue. This is um this is written by Ben Percy. It's I think it's it's going to be a two-parter, I believe. And I don't I don't know a whole lot about Ben Percy. He's a he's a novelist. He's also written for Esquire according to his Twitter bio. Um nice nice little story. Um nice little Batman tale and it's just rendered astoundingly pretty by John Paulion with with great colors by Dave Stewart. Mm-hmm. That 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 didn't hurt. That did not hurt. And so this involves, so Alfred is like, you know, Master Bruce, you got to get out of town. You get, you need a vacation. So you got to go on the private plane. And, but there's something going on at the airport, something big going on at the airport. Uh, a plane crashes into the Gotham airport and it's this huge spectacle. And going over it, pouring over it panel by panel, all the little details. And it's horrifying. And it's not necessarily grisly, the, cr- the the plane crash itself, but it's violent in terms of the scale 
and the destruction mm-hmm. of it. And if you're familiar with John Paul Leone's work, um, it's it's not photorealistic, no. but it's highly detailed. It well, I don't even know if detail is the right thing because it's kind of there, but it's it's a lot of sort of um, impressionistic detail, I suppose. Like it's it's not unlike um, I think a little bit of Chris Somney kind of thing, uh, or or um, it's like a like a more specific Chris Somney. Or, I would, or, I would um, think of Michael Lark. Michael Lark, you know what though? But it's it's simpler than Michael Lark in terms of hmm. you know like how much detail he's putting. If you look at the faces, uh, another one that springs to mind is um oh Christ, what's his name uh, with Kirkman, uh, the the outcast. Uh, um, um, come on. Oh, we suck. We do suck. I'm and, rusty. I've got. And ring he did rust Northlanders for a long time, and he's very good. Googling it. I know. Uh, but it's sort of like that where like it kind of looks photorealistic until you look closer and you realize, no, there's really actually not a lot there. His shapes are excellent. His 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 rendering of sort of the plane as a setup. As it, yeah, as Paul has a set, exactly. Yeah. As the plane as it crashes through I mean that's that is fairly detailed. But like he he doesn't, you know, like you can see the you can see the ink, you know on the page like mm-hmm. you know it's like really heavy line yeah but like you can actually see like with like the brush marks you know the things like that like he's not afraid to put that down and it makes like it makes me think of it's the it's the comic book equivalent of you know when somebody's playing acoustic guitar and you can hear the the, the finger on the fret the mm-hmm. scratch the move like i always like that it's very tactile and i think that's something i like about john paul Leon. He he lays down a lot of ink but he stops just short of of overdoing it, but it's right, it's right on the line of being sort of too dark and too splotchy at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you look, uh, this, this scene of the plane crashing through the terminal and the sort of, and then the next page is just a bunch of close ups of the parts of the plane, like yeah. the, the wheels going through the ground and the, the engine and wing, uh, taking down the scaffolding that's holding up the building. Uh, and then you get to the, the next page and there's a shot. There's a shot of the fuselage of the plane. This is sort of stopped and things are smoking. And you look at that line. It's not like a straight, you know, it, it's sketchy. But it doesn't seem that way. Like he just, he has this way of, of, of making things that are clearly art look very grounded and realistic, I suppose, if, if that makes sense. And then when you, you look at his Batman, his Batman's paired right the hell down. Mm-hmm. It's not, not, a lot, uh, not a lot to that. In a good way. It's a know. it's a man in a bat suit. Yeah, um, it is exactly. A lot of a lot of times, Batman is depicted. I mean, like you know, at the at the other end of the spectrum, you think of like uh, like or like Jock or something, and he's like a living shadow, you know. Yeah. And this is a without going too far into the Adam West realm. This is a dude. It's, in again, it's right suit. on that line. Yeah. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And so it lends itself to this. I mean. <laughs> It's 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 weird to say a smaller scale Batman story when it involves an airplane going through an airport and opening up that airplane and finding what looks like mummies, you know, like yeah. people who have the corpses who look like they didn't just die, like didn't die in the crash. They look like, you know, you just opened up, you know, a crypt and, and went inside and he talks about them being entombed in there. And but it is compared to the really heightened manic Batman rogues mm-hmm. and the over the top stories that we've seen over the years this is this reminded me of going back to uh, one of our favorite runs the the Paul Dini detective run I, yeah i felt yeah i felt very much the same way where Just it's, it, it really is appropriate that this is detective comics you know yeah it's, the it was, it's really nice i think in contrast to to snyder and capullo and again there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. but in contrast to that year-long huge like everything in gotham is affected this is a is a mystery it's a detective mystery and he goes in and he's got to spar with the cops a little bit and he's just a man you know sort of trying to figure that i was and it was really a nice change of pace and i you know, I wasn't even looking forward to the story. And anyway, I didn't know who Ben Percy was. By the way, very accomplished writer and a, and a contributing editor to, to uh, Esquire. Mm. Several novels, two years younger than me, so he can go fuck himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but like, he did a nice, he did a nice story. You know, I, I uh, and that was the part of it that surprised me. Art's 
you know, great. It's great. But, you know, the other side of it was like, oh, this is, this is the kind of Batman story I haven't read in a while. Totally sort of grounded Batman, you know, working on a big scale, but just, you know, on, you know he's just a person. Um, I really like that. This is, a, this is a study in contrast, I think, because, you know, you have that spectacle of the, the airplane going through. And that's like, you know, a big spread or whatever. And, and um, it, it feels big, but it's a really kind of minimalist script. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very pared down and, and kind of restrained. And and I and I like that quite a bit. Um, it's sort of a sort of a no frills kind of story. And like you know, the bad guy is it's very it's a very simple setup. It's um, I mean, there's a there's a cool hook and a mystery by mm. the end of it. Um, and 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 Batman's in something of a pickle that you know they've got like what was it eight hours or something. And you know this this mag uh, Magnus Magnuson. Is a is a terrorist who wants to punish America because of you know the like all of the different profiteering in in war in the Middle East, um, going after uh, oil and lithium specifically, and he says he's he's basically an eco terrorist, and it lays it out. You know, he's not monologuing really; he's just laying it out very simply, and that's something we don't see a lot in Batman, especially because. You're talking about the Joker and the Riddler and Scarecrow and everything's all these huge, crazy machinations. And while this has something of a what looks like a supernatural twist to it with these corpses in the airplane, this big sort of, you know, Twilight Zone kind of mystery to it um, in comparison to what we're used to, uh, it's it's just minimal and, uh, and elegant. And so I, I was really t- it was sort of like this was it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting this to be the pick, you know. If you gave me the list of books, you know, no, I kind of didn't expect high profile that either. things, and um, but I was like, this is really different, and uh, and it took me by surprise. So that's that's how it ended up uh, in the top slot this week. Well, all right. I thought I was I was I was a little surprised that uh, that that you picked it, but kind of not. I don't. Uh, I mean, just looking looking through that 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 crash sequence, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, even just like subtle things like, you know, the, the woman ordering her really involved coffee drink. Um, it just speaks to like the decadence of, you know, an entitlement of, of you know, uh, the stereotypical American. Mm-hmm. And so that it's a, it's a really interesting kind of parable in that way. But it's it's told very simply as the best parables are. Yeah, I was uh, I was very I was I was happy. It was nice, maybe nice craft. Yeah. Yeah. And it just was like, oh, this is a nice this is a nice Batman story. It's a sort of antidote to. A lot of DC, not even that it's bad, just a sort of other other side of things. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. It cool. I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoy. I'm I'm pleased for you. <laughs> I'm pleased for me too. <laughs> now uh, let's just get this out of the way. It's apparently Thor's mother. Sorry, yeah. I guess was I was that the spoiler? Was that the thing? Because it was pretty obvious. Thor number one came out. This is the she Thor that everyone is. That okay? Is that sexist? I Lady can, I Thor. Can, Lady no. Thor. Mrs. Thor, um, uh, where, where now I guess this is, you tell me, this is a lot of stuff that preceded this happened in, um, uh, in the, uh, the, what was the, the watcher book, original sin. There's a, there's a bit in original sin. Yeah. With, uh, with, with Nick Fury and all these whisperings of revelations and Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever he said to Thor, uh, to the, to the Odin son, um, rendered him unworthy but we pretty quickly find out in this book ain't nobody worthy ain't nobody so worthy. not even the uh all father himself not even the all father not not even volstag mm-hmm. nobody can lift that thing it's like the sword and the stone yeah and so thor has to go back to the you know the weaponry the 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 uh, weapons vault and jarl bjorn yarn yarn bjorn yarn bjorn yarn bjorn got the axe and so we're going to have so we're now with this new status quo we've got the unworthy thor and uh some some marital strife between the the, the lockhorns themselves <laughs> odin and frigga thor's mother freya freya or frigga isn't it frigga it was frigga <laughs> anyways Frey. well it's f-r-e-y-j-a freya freya See, I would pronounce the J like a Y because Bjorn, Fjords, and whatnot. Freya. Okay. 
We'll I don't know. That. Um, Anyways, here's yeah. the other thing. Here's the other story about this book. So, the, like, okay, so if you're expecting a whole lot of this new female Thor. This is an excellent point. Um, you kind of got everything in the preview pages that they've put out, if you're paying attention to those. And she just pops up at the end. But I kind of... I don't know if it's if it's Thor's mother, but what I kind of I tend to agree with you in that speculation, just in in the setup of this issue, because there's so much attention paid to her return. Yeah, and there is that there's a line where she's like, uh it was it was just like uh where's the I'm looking for it. Where basically they're like, we've done everything we can or no. It's time you remembered your place in the world. And they crawl, they close in and she's like, yes, perhaps it is. Which I read exactly like, I'm going to stalk Lenny and Carl. Like it's a very, <laughs> it's a, a classic Simpsons line is what it is. I, I mean, but it was just the, like, oh. Yeah, and so there's, there, and, and that would open up like a big conflict between her and Thor and then her That's and nice. Odin as well. Not Thor so much. I don't know. I like, here's what, I really like the, I really like Thor, like the boy who, who's lost his way. Like he mm-hmm. just can't. He can't deal. Um, and then as soon as I saw her at the end, I was like, oh, that's got to be the mom. So I looked, I go back and I looked at sort of the design of her headdress and everything. Right. You know, she's kind of got the Thor wings going on on her, her, her little helm or whatever is before, you know, before she picks up the, like, it's not, you know, other than the gigantic bouffant, uh, the Marie Antoinette bouffant. You know, so it, it could be, you know, it could be a red herring. It, it could, could be. It could be, but just in terms of it just seems like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. that it would it would be her. But but anyways, it's it's just a brief appearance. So we're really looking for Thor number two, and hopefully we'll get some more details. You're right. It's her. too obvious. Yeah. It feels like it's way too obvious that that's a thing. We'll see. But I um, mean she's got something to do with it, obviously, but but I mean, all the ingredients here, I really like, and I, um, you know, so even even though we didn't get sort of the full meal here, mm-hmm. um, I think the setup is really great, and it was, it was very much that cold open before the credits issue. And so the other question with this, and I th- and I think one of the big stories mm-hmm. about this issue um, is is Russell Dowderman uh, doesn't look exactly like what he was doing with Cyclops, which looked great. Yeah, I think this looks even better. Well, he's got he's got Matthew Wilson coloring him, which which mm-hmm. does which mm-hmm. does not help, and also we got to do sharks with freaking lasers, so that was good. <laughs> and um, but but no, but I mean, uh, Isad Ribic is that's that's huge boots to fill. It's they're massive. That's it's, a that's a big hammer to have to heft. Yeah. Um, but I, really blew me away. I thought it was a gorgeous book. I think it's I think it's really nice, and I think it was a good direction to go in. Um, and it's, I think, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, he's, it, it doesn't look, I mean, if you put the two of them together, mm-hmm. their, their line work is totally different. The, it, you know, it, but I think the, the coloring helps with a sense of continuity. Well, Matthew Wilson didn't color the rest of it. Uh, but I think what they're doing with the colors seems like there's a sense of continuity between sure. the two. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it looks different. I, I think it, it adds to. More so than even, I think Ron Garney did some of the fill-in issues on the other one, and I didn't feel like they fit in as well. Yes, or at least that maybe they weren't. I don't know. Like it was. It. I don't know. It, it didn't. Didn't feel like it was in the same mold. And because this is a new direction, they can sort of change style, but you know, keep keep some of the flavor. Yeah, I, I think it's like a, I think it's a variations on a theme kind of thing. Um, I, it's it's definitely a different artist, but I think it's in the same. You know, uh, overall feel. I like the, the idea the of making Volstag as ridiculously obese as possible. You gotta. I really, I really appreciate that. And it's just, it's one of those things that they really can't capture in the movie. No, know? not even close. Like, well, I mean, and but like even if you tried, like it just mm-hmm. you can't do it. It's just he's got to be crazy huge. I think I think they should. I actually think they should have done that with um with CGI. I think it would have been funnier. Do it with. <laughs> Like really make him gigantic, and that way when he he moves and does everything, it's all the more impressive. It would have to Whereas, be yeah. Like if he did it in practical, yeah. it just would. Look really yeah, yeah. Great. Well, no. Anyways, this is a yeah. tangent, but uh, but no, I uh, I, th- I think this is a this is a fun new chapter. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a cool direction, and I like the the, the family dynamics in it. Um, mm-hmm. 
great. Great. Start. It was a it was a good issue. I it left me wanting a little more. Okay, uh, that's what I would say. I would say it's but, promising. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I, I mean, I, I think at this point, like you know, Jason Aaron just did one of the best Thor runs that I've ever read in my life. So you got you got a lot of leash. You, you're fine. You know, like make that code. Do what you have to. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, moving on. Uh, American Vampire number five came out, and uh, second cycle number five. Uh, second um, cycle. Yeah. Regardless, it's post break. Um, and the thing about this one is that it was, I don't think half, but of a large portion of it was, was prose. Um, this is basically a, um, uh, we're getting away from, um, uh, uh, sweets and, um, I haven't, I can't remember, I haven't thought of the names in a while. And what's her name? Pearl. Pearl. There you go. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're with this other guy who's looking for a site, uh, where there was some sort Bunting. of archaeological dig. And and the whole time we're flashing back to the diary journal of of this of this uh, miner, I guess, who who had gone to work on this site. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, it was about it was about eleven twenty when I started reading this, and I I had read I knew that it was going to be half prose, and I I recognized that my little baby has been waking up sometime around four thirty. So if you want to do the math on that. I was like, oh, come on. And I stopped reading it for a second. I put it away. I read something else. Because for me, historically, uh, when I'm trying to haul through a shitload of comic books and you get to a big old like, like, like prose page, that's death. I hate that. Mm. However, I went back and I was like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. I'm going to read it. And I, I found the prose to be very compelling. We started uh, off as, as a prose writer. Well, writer. obviously. But I, I think it it worked well in this because basically we're, we're flashing back to the to the 1850s, which is kind of interesting. So you're writing in that style, and mm-hmm. it was kind of illustrated. Um, there was a little story about how it was illustrated. I enjoyed it. It was it was it was a good story, and it sort of at the end left uh left us you know with a, a next. And it's the is this the is this Dracula? Is that who this guy is? Is this this world's Dracula or the, his equivalent, like King of the Vampires, super badass vampire guy? I don't know. Who was chasing them in the last arc? I think more or less. If it's not Dracula, it's, it's sort of like that level vampire, the the one they're all scared of. You get this, this creepy imagery by the end with this woman who's pregnant with not a baby but something. That's the worst picture I've seen drawn. In a oh long man, time. it's terrifying. And she's like, she's up on on these stakes, uh. you know, and upside down, and so the belly is is hanging down. And it's just the swollen thing. And then when he, he finds like, you know, the, the the remnants of it and there's like it looks like leather hanging from it, but maybe it's like her flesh. I don't know. But it's um it's just, it's a sort of classic horror trope. It's like the like the um like almost an Edgar Allan Poe kind of thing of mm-hmm. the the descent into madness. So you're reading a diary yes. and then as you go through the journal entries get shorter and and more clipped and more frantic. And then by the end, you can tell that this guy has lost his mind and he's repeating himself and stuff. And that's always fun. And I, I love the prose. Um, uh, I read uh, uh, Scott Snyder's book, Voodoo Heart, which is really cool. And, uh, of course, there's a bunch of you know horror stories in there and, and or just like creepy stories. And so if you liked this, you should check out his, his short story collection. Um, I, thought this, I thought this was really fun. And I like the art, too. Yeah, I agree. And I like and I liked the presentation of the prose. Like it's not like a lot of times it'll just be, you know, like courier new typed out, you know. And like that was the classic one that um that Grant Morrison Batman issue mm-hmm. that uh that was just a lot of prose and people like they were up in arms about it, like, Oh, what is this? This isn't a comic. Mm-hmm. I, I think the balance was was right here and there were great illustrations throughout and uh it was easy you know, easy yeah. to read and the only, I mean, like literally, the only thing was I really didn't like the font choice for whatever reason. I found it hard to read on oh, an iPad, okay. and and like it's that fake like handwriting on your, on your on your iPad too. Yeah, which is on not my, uh, yeah. yeah on my iPad with Retina display. It was, uh, it was pretty. Gorgeous. I bet it. I bet it read pretty well. Read pretty well. Yeah, looking pretty good. I, I mean, like literally for for. <laughs> Like, you know, my problem with this is always that it slows me down, and that's like my own little issue. Like, I, but I a, there is that thing when you're like nature. when you've got a stack of comics and you're you know reading through them, and especially when we're trying to read stuff in advance mm-hmm. of a show, like when you hit prose, 
Like it just, it sometimes feels like a brick wall. Like, oh, it's, it's because you're not in that mode. We like reading books. <laughs> you know, we like reading novels and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just you're in a different frame of mind when you get to it. Yeah. You expect a certain speed, you but. Expect uh, a certain rhythm and everything, yeah. But it was good. Like I, I, I really did enjoy it. And I, I wasn't like, ugh, it was annoying. I thought it would be, but then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So it was good. And I like the art change. And, you know, I, I like this world because you can sort of pop around to different places and see different things. And there's a gigantic, endless histories that you can put in there. And, and uh, it's good stuff. And speaking of comics with prose in them, uh, Fade Out number two came out. And I believe only in regular old comic size issues and not the big magazine format. Um, I didn't get a big giant I didn't, one. I didn't so. get one, though. So, uh, but, but anyways, um, I liked this one just as much, if not better, than the first. Um, this continues to be – I mean, the, th- the, the three of us, we love old Hollywood. And I think you know, that's, how, that's how we got swept into what – what's the TV show one? The live TV one that uh, Fractions putting out, Satellite Sam. Satellite Sam. There you go. This is this is this is this is the week we don't remember things. This is the week we don't remember. There's something this going the, on. It's the fumes is, from your iPad is what's happening. This is it's Connor's seeping iPad. through the microphone. It's yeah. not you. Don't you mess the joke up too? I messed it up. I'm Connor's sorry. generation one iPad is the. I'm just saying mine's a little lower the resolution. Although iOS eight has definitely slowed it down a little on app launch. I've definitely noticed that. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, about the fade out. Soldiering on. This is this is really cool. Um, I love this idea that you've got this um, this Hollywood big shot actor uh, who refuses to play the parts of the movie where he has to wear bandages on his face. So he has uh, a double, a stand-in, who is supposed to be his character with bandages on. So this guy is just on set all the time with bandages wrapped around his face. So he looks like the invisible man. And that's what you're seeing on the cover. And I liked that sort of that, that metaphor of our hero who I, last time I said he looked like Jeff Parker. I was wrong. It's Bruce Tim is who he looks like. Now that I think oh. about it with the glasses, mm-hmm. I think so. Maybe. Um, there's something about that face. It looks like Bruce Tim to me. Um, Anyways, um, he he talks about I wish that I could go into you know the makeup room and get those bandages and wrap my head in bandages and be invisible. And there's you know all these allusions to you know the blacklist and this idea that he's a he's a screenwriter, but he was in the war and he sort of uh, lost his nerve and he says whatever made me a writer was taken from me in the war. And so he can't write anymore. And this other guy who is banned from writing is laying on the floor, totally drunk and dictating these stories that our guy is typing up for being a communist for, for being, communist. he was, he was blacklisted, yeah, which, and, is, which is a thing that happened. Um, yeah, I, I think overall, uh, this issue, um, really let us get to know the characters a lot more, yeah. set the playing field out. I think, I think this arrangement between, um, I don't know. I'm looking for his name. Main character and uh, Charlie, Charlie, and and Gil, his best friend. Fucking you know, Gil. The way that they arranged for themselves to keep working is is brilliant. I really found that was super interesting. I thought the uh, studio boss uh, character, um, uh, Mr. Thursby. I I thought the way that he was acting was really fun. And interesting, you know, not, not fun for the characters. And how but. horrible he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that stuff, though. Like, I, old studio bosses, sure. I, I mean, they're fascinating people. When he, I mean, it was that Hitchcock thing where he molds yeah. these starlets into what he wants them to be. To the, to the point that this woman, this actress who was murdered mm-hmm. uh, in the first issue is buried and he's paying for the funeral and everything. And he uses her stage name on, on the tombstone. Yeah, and he's Which is just a stylized up, tombstone. And, he's upset that it wasn't the way it was supposed to be, and you know, I liked, I liked the, the, you know, the way you have to reshoot it, and you've only got fourteen days. It's just he's like, well, how do we do that? You're a genius. That's what I pay you for. I, you know, I, reading real stories about that is really fun. So uh, it's fun to see what he'll do, sort of in this sort of dramatic, fictitious, fictitious, uh, you know, way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and also, when you think of noir, Hollywood noir, you think about shadows and darkness and stuff, and um, but what's really interesting about this book, and I noticed it more in this issue, uh, there's a lot going on with light mm-hmm. um, and the way light falls on characters. And looking at that page uh, where they're at the funeral and in in, towards the beginning, 
and as you go down towards the group around the uh, the tombstone, um, it actually gets lighter. Uh, it's darker up top, and there's this sort of like dappled light effect, like light going through the trees. If you notice, like like uh, Betty Brightweiser on colors, like her colors bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like there's these almost these little pastels that are just sort of brushed in the middle of stuff, and they don't stay in the lines necessarily. Like she's painting in in. I don't know, little squares of everything. It's a really unusual use it's like, of color. It's like, it works nicely. It's like um, anomalies that would only get picked up on like camera. Yeah. And yeah. And so there's these weird sort of lighting effects. And like, where it, it looks like almost like a section of the, the panel is overexposed. Yeah. It's like, like whiter. Or there's like the, that pale blue. And it's just, yeah. It's, it's kind it's, of ghosting I, effect. It's, yeah. It's, it's soft. Mm hmm. But it's because the colors aren't like like blasting. It's not Technicolor, but it, it's really interesting. If you look at some of the palettes that are going around here, like color that I can't explain why it works, but it does. Mm-hmm. And I th- that's great. It's really it's really a thing. And uh, a little essay on uh, Fatty Arbuckle in the back, which is super interesting. And I did not read it, but I'm going to go back and read it <laughs> because I, I recognize I've, I know I know that story a little bit but uh mm. i want to be refreshed on it and it's very true hollywood stories and yeah yeah is that where is that the thing that was where they did it no uh, it was oh i forget whatever this yeah. the, is the episode where we can't remember things yeah i don't know i, don't I think know. they did do a true, uh, true hollywood story that there was, was back one, when, there like, was one that was like old older hollywood that's when crimes. those were interesting and yeah. not just you know yeah. i don't know i haven't, still haven't seen it in 15 years so it doesn't really matter um, finally, I wanted to just talk about Black Widow really quick. Sure. Um, we haven't we haven't talked about this uh, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, right away, uh, Nathan Edmondson writing, but and Phil Noto is just mm-hmm. uh, really good. And I keep sort of thinking I don't want to read this book, and then I start reading. I'm like, oh, it's it's a pretty good book. Like I'm pretty impressed by it. Um, and then in this, I just I kind of wanted to bring it up because uh, X23 is in it. Yeah. And it's occurring to me that people are doing really interesting things with that character. Over yes. here, over in Avengers Undercover. Uh, wait, she wasn't, was she in that? Yes. She was in Avengers Arena, at least. Was she in Undercover? She was in Avengers Arena, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then over in All New X-Men. All New like, X-Men. She's this character who, not too long ago, was kind of considered a stupid joke kind of thing. And I, I like her a lot. And yeah, I, the, so it was like, like the, oh no, another you know, derivative character. It's yeah. Like, but the version of her in this... Uh, is different than the one that's going on in the other book. That does not bother me. It's mm-hmm. not a complaint about continuity. I, I, you know, I like that. Like she's this super capable, angry but self-aware. Like you know, she's she's full of rage. She's got w- most of Wolverine's competence. Uh, you know, and 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 uh, it's really really interesting. I, I I really enjoyed it. I like and I like uh, Natalia in this a lot. I like how she's a little older, and she's you know pretty seasoned, and she's sort of caught between all these different things. It's it. It's a good book. It's really, it's so good looking. There's a, and just great um, silent sequences yes. of a lot of action going on, and that's I, I and I think part of that is the scripting. It's really like really tight. Like let's have her rappel down a wall, and you know, and then burst through a window, and here's a guy with a gun and all this stuff, and um, and then you know, Noto, Noto's layouts are, are just really nice. Like there's 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 some pages in here that would be great to have. Um, yeah, except I think he does everything. But, yeah, uh, but it, but it's got this night, and you know, for a digital thing, like it doesn't look, you know, it looks organic. Oh. It looks totally yeah. watercolor. You know, he he was a guy when he first showed up on my radar. You know, like you'd see him do covers, and you think those covers are amazing. But then when he did interiors, it kind of it didn't quite click for a little bit. And I think he's got it down now. Oh, definitely, it's real real nice looking. Anywho. Uh, see 11 issues chances are there's a trade of that if i were you i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna go to ifm.com slash amazon and i'm gonna use that link and maybe maybe you should buy the black widow trade maybe that's the thing you should do or you should look at phil noto's name and see what other stuff he's done um because because he's a heck of an artist um and if you do that and you buy something from amazon through our link then you will be helping the site out uh directly won't cost you anything that that comes out of amazon's cut and uh you know holidays are coming up so uh Bookmark that. Make do. <laughs> Have that be a thing. Or if you want to be a little more direct, you can always go to ifanba.com slash registration and you can donate 
cold hard cash directly to the iFanboy organization. If you enjoy what we are doing and, and putting the time in every single week to uh, read the books and put up the show and, and make sure we're hosting a place to talk about it and, and keep the community going, uh, we really appreciate that. Of course, it's either 3 bucks a month or you can do 30 bucks a year, which would save you a little bit if you want to do the math on that. Uh, or you can just donate whatever it is you, you feel like if that's a thing that you uh, you feel strongly about. And of course, we would uh, we appreciate that. You guys are the best for doing those kinds of things. You are the best. Yes. Thank you. All of you are the love best. Love you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love classic Marvel comics. Uh, maybe DC did it too, uh, where the cover is blacked out and who is the next whatever. Sure. There's a silhouette. And this, uh, this, this Captain America issue, who is the next uh, Captain America, which was no secret of any kind um, because we all knew it was going to be Sam Wilson. But I really like Sam Wilson, so I'm totally mm-hmm. cool with that. But I really dug this, this sort of cover on this. And basically this whole issue – because we all did know, like it was one long meeting of all of the Avengers just bitching at each other about uh, the lack of snacks. Uh, Some, after, yeah, after we got past the fighting at the beginning, but I don't remember the fighting at the beginning. I guess the big, the big problem uh, was that Jet uh, was either fooled or or manipulated into thinking, "Oh my goodness, uh, my dad's right, and these these Earthlings are awful." So she goes back to her dad. And then Steve Rogers says, uh, we need a new Captain America because I'm old now. Um, and then it's, it's Falcon in a, in a, in a he, it is a suit he's wearing. There's a costume there. Yeah. I can say that much about it. I don't know what I want it to look like. It's weird. I like his costume. I don't like the eyes. You don't like the eyes? Those, no, the eyes bug me. But I get why they're there. At least it makes sort of sense. Um, better than the helmet thing. It, it is better than the helmet. Anything's better than the helmet thing, yep. really. I sometimes we gripe when you see the hand of the creator, you know, or and especially the writer in in a book. But I I, I laughed uproariously when we get to the big splash pages. I was like, y'all know it was me. <laughs> this, yeah. this, and he's like, and he literally says, like, you know, this this is the least shocking reveal ever. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just it's 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 totally breaking the fourth wall. But it's but it's true. And I I just kind of like. Uh, I you can just see Rick Remender, you yeah. know, sitting there and like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And and then, you know, you get to the point where they're like, you know, just say what we're all waiting for you to say. And, you know, at the end you get the rally cry and another splash page. And I just kind of, lo- I love the irreverence of it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, lo- and really I love was- the choice to have an irreverent, ca- irreverent character as Captain America. So you can tell that he is very honored to be the new Captain America and, and takes it seriously. But at the same time, it's sort of, it's, you know, it's sort of the Hawkeye, not Clint Barton, but, uh, Benjamin Franklin Pierce from mash, uh, who's got the, the, you know, the little bit of, um, uh, irreverence, uh, for the whole thing and, you know, making light of it. So, um, while still being a, a patriot in his own way. And, uh, so I, I, I like that character choice. And I and I continue to enjoy old man Steve Rogers, yeah, in his sweater you know, L.L. L. Bean, you know. I liked I liked the fact that no one would give the Vision credit for being funny. <laughs> I was I was literally the only one who told a legitimately funny joke. I was like that was nice. I was, it was fun. It was like a good old sort of little romp thing. I, it was like I said, there was those other things that happened, and I totally didn't even sure, like. But I, the, I think the most important things were were there at the end, and you know, so I I, I think. You know all these different Marvel character changes. Maybe the Iron Man one aside, mm-hmm. um, are pretty compelling. Yeah, um, and don't feel gimmicky to me. They feel like um, it's interesting avenues for storytelling. Listen, Tony Stark will live in all of the movies that Robert Downey Jr. does, <laughs> where that are not about Tony Stark. Anyway, <laughs> except for Zodiac, except for uh, Action Comics thirty five. Yeah, yeah. This was an interesting one. Yeah. You, uh, you added it to the list, so you tell me. I did. I, here's the thing. I really like this. I like what's going on, but I find myself, I, I want to be more interested than I am. But overall, if you look at it at the end of it, basically, you know, Clark comes back after Brainiac had put everybody to sleep. Lots of thousands of people died, uh, and everything's kind of okay. And the question of, the question, is, you know, was, do we need a Superman? You know, and, and, and Clark as himself writes a thing that like he's not really needed anymore. And then Lois writes a thing like they're 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 going back and forth through journalism about how, you know, 
it doesn't matter. Like we need Superman the concept, and, and maybe he needs us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was very sweet. So he writes this yeah he writes this op ed, and I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting to think about Clark Kent writing. You know, why do we need Superman anyway? And then being proud that you know in a way that mm-hmm. that Lois is writing a rebuttal. Yeah. To that and. Think about that. It's, it's kind of odd, <laughs> kind of yeah. you know, like a cry for help kind of thing. But you, well, and, uh, let me tell you, I love bearded yes. Clark Kent, and he's 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 kind of kind of mopey because of everything that went on with Brainiac. And uh, I like this idea that it you have to reset the Fortress of Solitude, and it takes forty days because everything's biblical in the world of Superman. Yeah, you got to go with the forty. And uh, and, and start I didn't pick up on that, new. but yeah. Uh, well, it's, you know, forty is just that's everything. It's forty days in the desert, forty days and nights, whatever. Um, so that's all I know is that's how long Josh Hartnett's not supposed to masturbate for. <laughs> whatever happened to him? Where is he? I don't what know. What is he doing? Is he on a just? He just is he on a TV show or something? I don't know. Is he on like a like an IFC TV show? Like so, I don't know about it or like a Showtime thing. I, or, I, I don't know. Is he on Prism? I, I don't even know what that is. You've never heard of Prism? No. Anyways, maybe they didn't have it in Maine. <laughs> Anyways. I, you know, like, Anyways. I also really like Scott Collins in this. I thought that was, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part of it, he didn't seem to do the, the first bit, I don't think. Um, it was, it, it's good. Like, it, I, it, it keeps me interested. Uh, but for some reason, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I want to read it again. I, That's, I, I think, think I said it there's, it's, there's a lot of plot things going like continuity things going yeah, on with like it. it's all the fallout from brainiac stuff and and like lois referring to super doom and super doom I've, i definitely have lost track of this particular continuity and like in the at, at one point you know lois knew you know clark was superman and and then but her brain has been wiped and it's like all that stuff you know that's obnoxious that you well have and to then, then at the same time you know greg pox also writing superman batman and I, I can't i can't get my i want to like it i cannot get myself interested in it because i have no idea what's going on i think characterization is all great it's just like yeah it's it's fraught with this continuity stuff that i just I'm not into and uh but here, so some some developments I do like I, I like uh, I like uh uh Lana Lang and uh and uh John Henry Irons um that's pretty cool that's a that's an interesting yes coupling um I like both of those characters in the way they're being depicted lately mm-hmm. um so yeah it's 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 I don't know it's a bit of a mixed bag but characterization is keeping me through yeah, no, definitely, it's 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 good stuff, and it's worlds above what we we were getting previously. Let's talk about some plaid. <laughs> the otherwise totally gorgeous Gotham Academy number one. I know where you're going. I know where you're going at, and I have my response ready. So you may please continue. Okay, I was I actually read this issue, and I did not notice that the plaid skirts are all flat. Mm-hmm. They're not rendered in such a way that that's not how fabric behaves. <laughs> it's true. It's I don't I don't know how to articulate it, but it's just a layer of plaid. And the pattern the pattern is always uh, uniform. It's it's always yeah, it's always uniform. It's a that's classic comic booking, right? You should be done like that. They would take they would literally paste over the pattern on the what the thing was. Shirts would be like that. It's just a thing. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a thing that only exists in comics, mm-hmm. and it totally doesn't bother me. I like it. I, I, I totally it, didn't notice it when I read it, and then people were talking about it on on Twitter this morning, and I was like, "Oh yeah," and it's and then it was really jarring when I looked at it. See, I think but, that that's a, I mean, I, it's it's basically a stylistic choice at this point. What did you think of this? I th- besides I thought, that, well, no, okay, yeah, and I don't and I don't want to grade about that. This is a very minor nitpick, um, sure, in scale things. Oh, this is really interesting, and it's it's just exciting to see a different tone in the Bat books. And this is just the start of it. There's going to be other things coming. Um, Story wise, I felt like I was I was missing something. Like I should have had more familiarity with these characters. Like you, yeah. Like there was something that came before it that you didn't read. Yeah, that's yeah, I that. that was the sense I got. And maybe I, there was, and I missed I don't, it. I don't know that I can speak to it, but I can tell you that I thought that it had a different kind of tone, and it feels like maybe they're going for a female audience and I think they may have done a good jo- job with that but I'm not sure because I'm definitely not the target audience for this that's what I came out of I mean it's very much like crime based Harry Potter in Gotham at the school you know like kind of thing 
It's kind of mm-hmm. what I what I got from it, uh, and I think it's neat. And I wish them a great deal of success, but I'm still not for me. Okay, well, <laughs> really great looking. Uh, I'm gonna stick with it because it's just gorgeous. Uh, it is the cursed stuff commercial. is just nuts, um, and in really nice colors too. And the the, the one thing that was just weird about it, I I you know it, you go through this whole story and it's about the relationship between these characters and this institution. And then you get to the end and there's like a weird looking eye looking out at them through the wall. And I was like, what, what is this book exactly? You know, like, is it, is it a horror book? Is it, you know, so like, I, I'm not entirely sure what the, what all the stakes are. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. Because it's uh, it's almost like a it's I guess it's a YA kind of thing, but it's in this larger world of Gotham. And what's the balance of like how much Batman is in this book? How much you know? I don't know. What's this about Guardians now? Guardians three thousand, number one, uh, by by Dan Abnett. This is this is really cool because he you know when he when they he and uh, Andy Lanning uh, rebooted Guardians of the Galaxy uh, for that great run that we always talk about that the the summer's big movie was based on um, he ignored the classic Guardians of the Galaxy characters and basically assembled a bunch of other characters under the banner of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so that's where you get, you know, Rocket Raccoon and Star-Lord and everybody and Gamora. And so there's all these other characters uh, like Yondu, who's the one who did end up in the movie, although a very different version of Yondu, uh, the Archer, and uh, Charlie 27, and, uh, and God, all the names are crazy. Um, Charlie 27, uh, Starhawk, who in one iteration is male, one iteration is female. Uh, Master X, I believe is his name. Um, and there, so he decided, well, we got to give these characters their due. And it actually takes place in the year 3000. So it's a little bit um, Legion of Superheroes. This is a whole bunch of timey-wimey crazy stuff. Uh, All right. Basically, they get into a skirmish and end up all getting killed halfway through the issue. But then they wake up 30 minutes earlier and they have to relive it. But the one human girl with them named Gina remembers everything. But she, it's sort of like a deja vu experience. So she's like, this feels familiar. So each time they kind of do it differently. So they're fighting the Brotherhood of the Badoon, uh, who are uh, basically the Romulans of the year 3000 uh, in the Marvel Universe. And the Kree are on their last legs, are dying out. Um, we've got sort of the council and in the year 3000, um, gladiator is still around. Uh, you got the, the Cree Supreme intelligence. Uh, you've got like a descendant, I guess, of a nihilist that's uh, female and they're trying to stop the Badoon, but something is going on with the, with the, uh, time stream so that every time they make, uh, any kind of progress in their war with the Badoon, uh, it gets rewound. So there's all kinds of time craziness. And yeah, um, I, I, I really dig it. Um, the one thing that, that kind of bogs it down is there's a lot of um, space lingo and rhetoric, like future rhetoric. And since it's such a, a sort of confusing and jarring uh, story to jump into, because you jump right into the battle and a lot of these characters we're not familiar with, um, at least in, in the modern day, uh, having a lot of, you know, frack kind of lingo, um, it's like this added wrench to it. And so it, it, there's like this extra hurdle that you have to get over to figure out what's going on. But otherwise, I think it's really fun and I'm excited to see where it goes. Rad. Rad. That is all the comics that we were going to talk about, but I think you've got a lot of comics talk today. I think. Uh, you let's see. We have time to do one uh, email. Want to do one email? Can sure. I pick? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Sean in Seoul, by way of Long Island, writes: I wrote to you a few years ago and asked the same question, but I want to know what's changed since then. Comics sure has. What is your favorite thing about comics fans? Something the community has that is unique that you love. On the flip side, what about the comics community do you find to be their worst quality? I've been listening to you guys for years, and you're standby. Thanks for doing this. So. 
you've just started uh, a new comic book website, and you need to be careful about what you say. So <laughs> this will be fun uh, to see if you can dig yourself a hole. Okay. I like that you picked this one, um, even though I had prepared answers for the other two. So we'll, we'll, you, but we'll do them. For anyway, so this, this is more interesting. So this one, uh, the okay, so the negative thing uh, is gatekeeping. I think is, and and then that all goes in with like the feeling of entitlement that this is that I own this mm-hmm. because it, it it is a small community. Um, in 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 contrast to you know other kinds of fan communities. A smaller industry so i think people feel like i'm the only person growing up who was really into you know in my neighborhood who was you know really into green lantern comics or whatever and now there's all these people who are big green lantern fans now and you know they're wearing the novelty rings and stuff and this is the way green lantern should be um because this was mine because for the longest time i was like the steward of green lantern you know growing up i was the one yeah. who cared about it it has to be this way. It has to be this way because I invested so much care and emotion into reading it. Yeah. And no one else did, it seems to feel like. But now that you know the the, the the broader internet community comes up and you become aware of all these other fans, but they're not fanning the same way that you do. Mm. So I think I think that can be a big problem. But I think what do you like? What I do like, since it's a small community, um, I think the people who are into comics can be really passionate about comics. So maybe that that's the that's the binding thing. The the good and the bad is the passion. You can be passionate in a bad way, but you can be really passionate in a good way and want to share it with other people. And just since this, you know, panel's website has started, uh, a lot of the conversation on Twitter has been like, hey, you know, where should I start with you know, this kind of book or whatever, or like this character. And we put out the call to everybody else and say, what, you know, what are your recommendations? This person just finished reading Saga and they're looking for some other books to try. And everybody's, you know, calling out their favorites and stuff. And people, I think, by and large, want to share. I think it's the vocal minority that is gatekeeping and wants it to be a certain way. They can be so aggressive that that's that's the thing that rises to the top and people notice. Mm-hmm. But the day on the day to day, I think people want to help other people find. You know, they know that it can be confusing that their the spine numbers don't always make sense, and you know, where do I start? And we've been babes in the woods at the beginning, not knowing what to read next, and we wish that we had someone who could you know help us find the way. And and get to the books we want to read and not be confused and feel out of the loop, and so I think I think the good amongst the comics fans try to uh, facilitate that and and help people out. Cool. I think. Let's see, you were smart. You did bad first. <laughs> I mean, thought of a good one. No, no. I mean, I could easily say I say about the same thing if I was to say what's the worst thing about it, but uh, and that's probably it. Is is that uh, a resistance to change because of an ownership of something, and and therefore very little uh, new or different cracks cracks the surface, and so therefore books that sort of uh, push that boundary don't seem to be as successful as as we want. I'm going to go a different way and just say, um, I think on the whole, a lot of people buying comic books are way more into uh, the properties. And characters than they are into the um, the craft going into what they're doing. I think we talk about artists and people a lot of time. You know, the fact that John Paul Leon is drawing an issue of Detective Comics should be a really big deal. That thing should sell through the roof. That thing should sell like like a Jim Lee issue sells because he's that good. But I don't think that a lot of people end up. I don't. I don't think a majority of people end up understanding the craft well enough to appreciate that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. I think that I've spent this whole time that we've been doing comics learning how comics work, learning what's good about comics, learning you know what what makes great comic book art, a great craft, and that's the part that I love and appreciate the most. And I, it kills me that more people don't don't appreciate that. Uh, I'm not saying that, that there aren't those who do, and everybody likes their own thing and tastes are subjective or whatever. But there are there are just there are some things that, that I was like it's just so good, and I don't know why everyone doesn't understand this. 
you know, I, I, I wish people could understand things the way, you know, like as you keep going, you just get to be a better and better reader and you, you can sort of see what's going on. When I say it, it sounds like a kind of a snobbish answer. Uh, but there's just so much good craft going on and I think there's so few people who can understand it. Um, in a way that like, it's like when, when pros complain about reviews, which is ridiculous by the way. Um, like there's, there's just, it's such a strange art form and it's so subjective and it's so unique from anything else that to really sort of like once the light clicks on what's happening with it, uh, it's impossible to turn off. And, and if you're really just focusing on the, uh, the machinations of, of what's happening to Green Lantern this week, I don't think you get that as much, but that's, you know, that's to everybody's different thing about how they enjoy something or whatever. I wish more people like that. Um, I mean, the best thing about it, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. Like, it's like, it's like people love this thing. They, they put their all into it. There's so few comic book people left, really. I mean, like, I know the, the industry is growing or whatever. There isn't. There's, you know, like, we're not filling in the ranks of those of us who are going to be dying off at all, really, relatively speaking. So, like, the people who are buying comics are totally supporting the industry. Like they're they're the ones keeping everything alive, and so and like no one's letting go. They're holding on there, which is sort of the flip side of that ownership thing, which is the good side of it. Um, you know, like there's a very small group of people keeping this entire industry afloat. You know, because of their passion and their love for the things that make it up. And I think that that is uh, really commendable. It's really interesting, and you know, it's it's still comic book culture, uh, the stories, the, the the characters, all that stuff. That's that's still uh, that's a bigger thing, but really, comic books themselves—people who read comic books, people who who you know go to the shop or you know read the panels or whatever—it's a it's a very niche thing. Most people still don't do that. Uh, so, uh, you few, you mighty, uh, you you are you are stalwart, and we and we appreciate you because you make everything possible. So there, heavy, yeah. It's true, though. Uh, if you want to write to us, you can do so at contact.ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you are leaving a voicemail, tell us who you're from. Wait, who you are, where you're from, and uh, you know, try, to, try not to keep it a rambling mess. Like what I just did, rambling mess. Don't do that. Don't be like me. So, um, so some announcements. So some yeah. other, other podcasts you can find on this here feed. Uh, Connor and I talked about the Gotham pilot. Uh sometime in the future we may talk about how we feel about further episodes but we're not going to do a podcast for each and every episode so we're just do we're just covering each of these pilots as they come out because there's a ton of new comic book shows on tv it's all over the place all over the dial as they say uh and next week you will see a podcast about the flash pilot Mm -hmm. and i'll just say it was good was it it was good. I enjoyed it. Okay. I'm not asking you anymore about it. And then, and then at some point, you know, in time for Constantine, we'll reconvene for that and talk about that. Um, as Josh mentioned, I also have a new comic book site called panels.net, which just launched. And uh, the feedback has been has been very kind and, and warm. And uh, I'm very proud of my team for putting together a very pretty looking site, I must say. Nice looking. It's a nice looking site. It works. <laughs> Haven't been too many bugs. So, uh Everything's everything's been smooth sailing. So hope you'll check out panels.net and uh, we'll we'll have a podcast coming up uh, in a few weeks. It'll be okay, I'm sure. No, I I I I don't I don't want to go on forever. I want to be a few. I'm super proud of you. Good Thank job. You. Uh, you're just at the beginning, and and it's going to change and and morph into a thing and 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 like begin to fit and 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 be uh, more than it is. And uh, you're going through a thing that. Uh, reminds me of what was probably one of the best times of my life. So uh, good luck and enjoy it. Oh, and of course, fun. wouldn't be possible without you guys. So thank you very much. And uh, we're going to have some fun. Well, all right then. So as we get going, head over to ifanbo.com. You can comment on this show, previous shows, things like that. Uh, you can look up the old stuff that we used to put up there. Uh, and uh, we can talk about this week's books and you can find the other podcasts that we were talking about. Social media me. And you can follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash iFanboy. You can follow us all individually. C.S. Kilpatrick, Fuzzy Typewriter, Jeff Kanata, and J.A. Flanagan. You know what? Follow Jeff. He just got married. You're going to see all sorts of shots from what looks like the most amazing honeymoon in Italy ever. So good for him. So on adventures. He's a good guy. Uh, finally, if you dig this kind of thing, you can write us a review on iTunes. Or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts. 
Help us spread that iFanboy love all over the universe. My mom doesn't even have like broadband, so I don't think she's listening. Okay. Well, my sure. wife's never listened either, so why would she? Does she know she's... you do a podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be doing that when? I got, I got a, it's, we're doing it tonight. So you're going to come to bed really late? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm sorry. It's, she's not. <laughs> the, the character of my wife is so much worse than my actual woman, by the way. It's just... <laughs> It's just like classic, like like honeymooners type comedy about marriage. <laughs> it's terrible. But she's not going to listen, so I can say whatever I want. I could say really nice things. She's not going to. She's going to know that either. Poor she's woman. a wonderful mother and wife. She would have get to off, just get everybody. Just get off my back, please, please. Before yeah. Josh gets in any more trouble, that's it for this week's show. Thank you all for listening. I'm Paul. I'm Connor. <laughs> That doesn't sound like him. I can't do a Connor. I'm, I'm not going to try. I'm Josh. It's the great irony and the great tragedy. Yeah. You do is. all these different celebrities. You can't do a Connor. Nope. I can't do a Connor. I can't do any of you guys. I couldn't do Ron. Connor's not distinctive enough. I can't. I can't get a thing about it. We're all just but he is vague. distinctive. He is distinctive, though. But I can't. In different ways. I guess. I don't know. Not in his voice. I guess I just don't have the talent for it. <laughs>